one boom looks like we're here live and kicking we i should have done a rhyme there we're here ken and frank in your ear a little bit like the uh a little bit like the first episode of the podcast way back when frank when you were the first first time appearing on vox world long time ago now i think i might have even alluded to the fact that you might rap today not 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 to promise anything i could dig i'll tell you what i'll do right (laughs) i will dig out I'm going to first of all post this um, this live broadcast into the uh, into the event, so the people who have uh, said they're going to turn up to the event will be able to get the link really easily. So I'm going to do that first, and then what I will do, just for you, Frank, given that uh, this is your first appearance on VUX World. You mean third? Uh, sorry, third. Sorry, my man's getting distracted because I'm trying to paste oh, that link. <laughs> third, third appearance on VUX World. I will dig out the rap that I originally performed on uh, on your first appearance. How's that? Mm. Uh, yeah? Go for it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah? Try that? Okay. While I dig out this rap, Frank, for those who are not diehard <laughs> listeners of VUX World, uh, why don't you briefly tell us uh, a bit about yourself, a bit about Speakeasy. Uh, try and make it different to the first three, if that's possible. Sure. Uh, <laughs> let me try my best. You know, the one on. the one analogy I often use as far as my role at Speakeasy is if you're an Avengers fan, I'm kind of happy. And then my co-founder and CTO, Moshe, is Tony Stark. I might have used that one before. But so I'm the guy who tries to get out there and try to set things up for Moshe to do incredible things. I know we're going to talk a little bit about his patent later on that we're proud to have been recognized for. But uh, I've been in the contact center software or AI industries now for going on 15, 16 years. And I'm from Philadelphia, which I know is part of your rap, and uh, a basketball coach at heart. Um, but really passionate about all things customer experience and AI. Nice, nice. And we'll get into that patent very, very soon. I found the wrap. And uh, for those of you tuning in that didn't witness the majesty of the Prince of <laughs> Bel-Air rap uh, in 2018 when Frank was a guest on the VOX World podcast, this is what I wrote for Frank. And this was part of the introduction uh, to Frank being on the show. And it goes a little something like this. And you've got to imagine the Prince of Bel-Air theme song at this point, right? Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. But everyone knows the Prince of Bel-Air theme song, so it goes like this. <laughs> In greater Philadelphia, born and raised, sales and marketing is how he spent most of his days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing all cool, coaching some b-ball inside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good said you need AI in your neighborhood, he made one prototype and his mom got scared. She said, you need to launch this and put it out there. He whistled for some cash and when it came near, he built some tech that when you speak, it listens, it can hear. If anything, I could say that this tech is rare. So we thought, why don't we chat about it and broadcast it on air? <laughs> he dialed into the call about seven or eight and will yell in an hour, your homes, smell you later. <laughs> his name's Frank Schneider and he's finally there sitting on his throne in the speakeasy chair because you're the ceo you see so how cool is that pretty incredible it's it's your real talent is you should just be doing freestyles and just spitting bars on vux world podcast that's Uh, basically what i should be doing yeah and and the good thing about it is that you had no idea that was coming and so your reaction was absolutely priceless oh my god (laughs) I, I probably turned three different darker shades of red <laughs> again, but it was incredible. It was amazing. It was brilliant. So props to you, Kane. You're as witty and awesome and smart as always, but I'm happy to do it for a third time. Um, there's a competitive side to me that feels like, ha ha, 
I am leading yep. the league in appearances on VUX World, um, but just honored to be with you again and happy to chat. So much going on. There's so much good stuff to dig into. There's um, a lot. Can't think of anyone sharper that I'd like to talk about it with than you, sir. Nice one. I appreciate that. And to commemorate your third appearance, you reminded me that you are actually the very first person ever to have appeared on VOX World three times. And I think everyone who, I don't know if you follow soccer as it is in America, but if you score three goals in a football oh, match, yeah. you go home with a match ball, you see. Um, what's that? And in, in, in hockey, it's a hat trick. So you kind of throw your hat onto the ice. Well, so. To commemorate your third appearance on VBEX World, Frank, I am going to get oh. one of these done and post it to Philadelphia to commemorate your hat trick. How's that? That's I am going to rock that. I am definitely going to wear it on calls, no doubt. That is around, to say thank around you. Around the neighborhood, thank you. Exactly. Okay. And it's to say thank you because you have always been a supporter of VBEX World. You always speak very highly of, of what we do at VBEX World. And so I appreciate it. So, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get you a cap, a VBEX World cap that can go nicely on your, on your bookshelf there, which would be pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, celebratories uh, aside, you mentioned there's a hell of a lot going on. There is a hell of a lot going on. There's a few things I want to get your opinion on that have been happening lately. Zoom have acquired 5.9, Unifor have acquired Jakarta. Um, but before we get to there, when you were first on VUX World in 2018, you were talking to us about speech-to-intent technology, the, the kind of uniqueness of what you were building at Speakeasy AI, and patent pending, patent pending. 2020, you came back on the show, patent pending, patent pending. And recently, you've actually been awarded the patent guaranteed, signed, sealed, and delivered. So yeah. first of all, congratulations. And, and secondly, yeah. let's let's have a little bit of a chat about what that is. For those that are, obviously everyone's familiar with speech technology, but what is it about this patent that is so special? Yeah, that was going to be my sort of rap intro was going to be. Um, so you know, uh, you know this song? We really have to reintroduce ourselves now. <laughs> <laughs> So having said that, thank you, Jay-Z. Um, History in the making. That's crazy. Beyonce, I heard him and Bay were coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're really excited. Uh, the pending is gone. Uh, the USPTO granted us our patent. Um, Moshe Viazan Reyes, MVR, is the inventor, uh, my CTO and co-founder. So props to him. He's done an incredible job. And, you know, it's always been about for us trying to solve real problems with AI, um, you know, I often joke that for me, I'm going to date myself, it's C-3PO. For Moshe, it's, it's Jarvis. Um, no one ever typed to C-3PO. Um, everyone always spoke to him. Uh, you know, it's, and, and no one types to Jarvis. They, they speak to him. And voice recognition, um, this concept that you must transcribe it like a court stenographer, have no context, and then just push that transcription somewhere else and expect it to perform um, with great scale uh, is, is folly. And we learned it the hard way because when we were at our prior digital chatbot company, we were trying to get digital chatbots to work in voice conduits. Um, surprise, surprise, that's one of the themes today, right? Digital transformation being about voice. But we were trying to get these digital chatbots to work in IVR or get them to listen to call center agents and provide suggestions. And using transcription alone wasn't working. So necessity being the mother invention or whatever cliche you wanna use, Moshe had to find out his own path. And you know the hypothesis that we had as a team was that you need to be able to have multiple powerful pipelines of understanding in your speech recognition to both. Oh, did you drop, Kane? I lost I did. I've, I've made you full screen. I thought you were on a roll, so I'll make you full screen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I lost my roll. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> this idea that you know transcription in those buckets of speech to text, text to intent, intent to answer, and then let's turn it back the other way with maybe a speech synthesizer. Um, to have successful conversations, automated conversations, or conversations where you're sitting alongside a human agent and a customer, it, it's really hard to do it with those antiquated pieces of technology. So what our patent does is it allows us ultimately to set up the conversation for success more easily. So by using audio and phonetic pattern matching, as well as learnings that we've cultivated and also annotated and self-learned in our neural net, which even our neural net has four different sort of pipelines going on at the same time, an NLU engine, an intent engine, Scriber, which is our own speech to text engine, um, to give us the control that we want without being too nerdy, and again, I'm non-technical, um, to allow us to swap context easily, uh, to have fully conversational experiences that morph as the conversation goes on, you just can't do it with transcription alone. So now this hypothesis that we've already been proving before we got the patent is now cemented, it's IP. And the reality is we've been trying to wait for voice AI to do these things in our dreams for you know, 20, 30 years, let alone the last five years, or let alone since 2013 when someone said digital transformation. Um, and now we can finally scratch the surface of, for our world, which is contact center world, contact center AI, how do we solve these things for customer care? How do we do things in support and in revenue sort of protection and revenue generation that customers or, or that brands couldn't do for their customers in the past? And it, it's all about reducing friction, understanding the customer in their own vernacular, their own vocabulary, and getting better each time and being pragmatic about Let's give you the control and the vision and the trust and transparency into here's how the engine is performing. Here's how the speech recognition is working. Here's how we can tailor it and influence it rather than just do this transcription templated world where we just try to fit things into boxes that were never designed to really have a voice experience. So um, maybe I said too much, but there, there's a lot of risk reward about risk reward involved calculus involved in how do we actually try to solve the real use cases in voice automation or voice AI or even digital AI um, at the risk of disrupting customer experience or at the risk of maybe sending more people to the call center? And it, it allows people to sort of um, put themselves into these boxes and have Accenture or Deloitte tell them as part of their digital transformation journey, they need to swap out their BPO call center. Um, for us, there is a technological approach that gives us a leg up in then looking at these customer experiences because you know if you ask our customers, speech to intent sounds cool to them, but what they're more sort of focused on is, oh, a customer's allowed to come in and we know who they are, what their rewards profile is, and we can book a reservation for them based on that and also incorporate their preferences and just make it easy for them because customer isn't thinking about channel. Um, so speech to intent gives us those conversational powers it also gives us those cross-channel capabilities. Um, so I hope that helped. Mm, interesting. So you're talking there around that typical sort of pipeline of speech to text that then gets fed into an NLU. This is how the vast majority of, of systems and platforms work. And then the NLU alongside some kind of dialogue management for understanding what to do with the result of the NLU and how to keep context of the conversation, that kind of stuff. So lots of systems have, you know, the speech part is just a bolt-on. So pick out most 
if not not all actually, but most of the um, voice kind of platforms, whether that's platforms that you use to publish things onto Alexa or Google Assistant, or if you use them to publish things into your contact center, most of them will use that speech recognition that's, a, that's an external bull on. Then they'll have an NLU, natural language understanding engine for those that, that are uh, either new to this or what have you. And then you've got the dialogue management side. So what you're explaining there as you're talking about this neural net and you're talking about speech to intent, you've got the NLU that seemingly works very, very closely with the speech side of things itself. So does this patent cut? And then you were talking then about managing context, which is usually what that kind of dialogue management does. So is this patent the whole thing end to end, the speech to intent, which is like the speech recognition and NLU plus the kind of, the, the management of the conversation, like when so-and-so says this, do that, when they say this, if they said that before, do this, is it the whole thing or is it purely on the speech to intent kind of speech recognition? No, it, it's the whole thing. Essentially our thought process is transcription has value. Transcription has its place because it's easy to show a note, like a court stenographer, a text-based representation of what's occurring, but it does not, or should not be the primary driver in understanding for a real-time engaged conversational flow. All of those other elements that you mentioned must be in play. And we feel like should be play in place sooner so that transcription isn't the gatekeeper to conversational logic, um, entities, contexts, um, and that interplay. So for us, the patent, even though it's called speech to intent, um, it allows us to incorporate all of those elements in a way where we can weight things appropriately, um, see what's performing, what's not performing, and have it get better over time in really meaningful ways. You know, we, we have our own speech to text, but we're not um, precious about it. If someone says use Google speech to text as part of your, you know, total engine as part of that speech to intent sort of pipeline as one of the things that's going on, We'll, we'll use it, fine. We like having our own because, you know, speech to text is at this point a commodity. It's, uh, you know, it's almost human parity out of the box. There's open source things you can grab. So we have our own to give us control and power as part of that full kit. Um, but really it's about context and context swapping and conversation flows that are actually natural and that you can have vision into and control into and it's not sort of, you know, more of a, a black, black box type of thing or um, a decision tree based thing or, you know, an Amazon skill or, or what have you. Um, we want to give you more power and control into that. So I think you did a really good job of breaking down the different pipelines that are all in play at the same time. And, and you see them in action in our kit in what we call NERV. NERV is our neural net product that is just our proper down. And within NERV, we have Scriber, which is our speech to text neural net. We have our NLU neural net. We have our intent neural net that's also incorporating Sky, which is our conversation manager where you're building these, the conversation logic and you're doing things like main, maintaining entity and relations. How are cities and states related to hotel names, related to um, you know, specific locations or, or points of interest that are near it? Um, all of that, we want all of that context. Um, we're vigilant about it. We want it on the line at the beginning. We want from the, we want it to be more unstructured. The, the promise of voice AI has always been, um, you know, it's like, I'm going to date myself like that old Seinfeld skit. Why don't you just tell us the movie you'd like to see? Um, it, it's not supposed to be linear. It, it's not, it, as soon as I hear a voice prompt that says, 
you can talk to me by saying things like X, Y, Z. I understand there's an adoption curve there and maybe I'm being too crazy or, or forward thinking, but I, I'd rather just treat it like a human. How can I help you? You know, can you just tell me what you need and, and learn from there? We, we want it to be natural. Hmm. Um, interesting. I'm just going to open the titles. Interesting. So, Think so. If everyone is tuned in, by the way, we've got quite a few people tuning in. If you if you do have any questions about either this or about the topic, which we'll get into in a moment, why digital transformation has always been about voice. Any questions that you have for Frank, stick them in the comments, and we'll do our very best to get to them. Um, so that gives us a good understanding of, and we will get to that discussion in a moment. We, that gives us a good understanding of the the details of the patent and and kind of like the the back end of it. For someone who's tuning in, who who is let's say not really au fait with this Let, let's let's put it let's put let's put ourselves in the mind of a of a buyer someone who just wants to know what the output is so all of the things we've been talking about and i like the names by the way it is sounding very much like hal and uh all, all that kind of stuff like nerve and sky and that's pretty cool name structure but what the, what's then the output of that on the front end if you're a customer calling a company or you're you're you know let's say that you call your travel agent or hotel or whoever it might be what are some examples of some of the kind of experience the customer experience side of 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 how this differentiates this patent differentiates what speakeasy do versus what people are accustomed to understanding yeah you know it, it where the rubber meets the road a lot of times is in what's called as what's what are called entities and entities are sort of like um objects in AI that represent very specific things, places, it could be proper nouns, it could be dates and names and information, just specific elements to the context of what someone's saying. And it's very different than an intent. So if you say, um, I want to make a reservation at the Kimpton Palomar, Philadelphia, Kimpton Palomar, Philadelphia is, is the entity. Now, uh, that property, that hotel, which I, I mentioned because I really like that property, uh, that, that hotel can be described in so many different ways, is near so many different things, is um, descriptive or meaningful to the customer that calls in to describe it in their own specific personal way. Not to mention because it's in Philadelphia, they might have a voice that sounds like mine. So uh, my accent says things like water, which is H2O or ratty, which is that thing that emanates heat. And every once in a while it flares up. It's a problem I can't get rid of because I grew up in Philly. But so when that person calls in on a low fidelity environment cell phone with kids in the car and they're trying to book a room, um, there's audio elements and there's contextual elements that might make transcription not work to identify that hotel, that entity. And booking a reservation, the intent, that's really meaningful. It's really meaningful to get that intent right. But where the rubber meets the road again is on that entity. I have to know what hotel they're talking about. And then the whole world opens up to what we can do. Um, and because we are able to better understand people describe that and pre-digest the way my heart, my Philadelphia accent described that property and said Palomar, it's going to go and fetch that information from these information silos, like through an API to say, hey, 
you're are you talking about this hotel? And it might sound hard or, or sound easy, but it's really difficult to do that with traditional systems. It's why you don't see these really complex conversation flows in IVRs. Uh, IVRs right now, inbound voice calls, they're handling you know the things they always have: outages, updates, um, payment updates, maybe check on an order status. But even then, try to have them understand your number sometimes when you describe your number. That there's some challenges there in low fidelity environments as well. Again, it's the entity capture, um, unless you're very sort of granular or specific about the way you describe it. But anyway, so end user it means we can actually book a room at the right hotel at the rate the customer wanted, recognizing their preferences from prior stays. And maybe that call never had to touch an agent. Or maybe because of the engagement, it should touch an agent because that agent is going to offer a promotion that the AI was aware of was available through this third-party vacation entity. Um, that's a mm -hmm. fun case. You know, mm -hmm. and you know, to, to sort of dabble a little bit or tread water into the overall topic that we had, digital transformation and its play with voice. There's a couple of different branches that I think can be teased out there. But one is ultimately, if this is all about engaging with your customers in new and exciting ways, um, and if it's all about reducing friction, uh, modality doesn't matter. It's more about the use case. Channel doesn't matter. Uh, and digital versus voice, it, it's all engagement with your brand. So if, if you're set up properly digitally and with voice, and I think that's where AI has a real role to play when done properly, um, it doesn't matter. And it might be a hybrid approach. There's a portion of the contact that is digital. There's a portion of the contact that's voice. And voice doesn't necessarily mean human, automated voice. And then maybe a human comes in to finish it off for whatever reason, because it makes sense for the business use case. Um, people haven't thought about things in those terms. Mm. They, We've primarily been thinking, you know, even from a customer experience perspective, it's either self-serve or get it to an agent. And then maybe there's some elements of trying to improve friction. Um, but, you know, it, it's always been about that cost calculus for, you know, deflection, containment, and, and those kinds of things. Mm. Interesting. I've had the same problem, by the way, with uh, with accents. Uh, I remember when I used to be in uni, and I used to say, if I was talking about a house, I would say an house. I used to pronounce house, ouse, without the H. And yeah. so everyone used to think that I was calling a house a nouse with an N because I would I would say an house for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, but yeah, can't, can't shake it. Um, so it yeah, not when, we, when we look at our calls real time in our system, we'll show transcription. Again, it has value as a note taker. Like here's what transcription caught. And you'll see sometimes like maybe water, the transcription spelled it out as W-O-O-D-E-R but speech to intent because it's aware of context and the entities that matter. Well, maybe he's calling about his water bill. So because he's calling, or I don't even know how you, you normal people say it, water, water, whatever it is. <laughs> water, right? I say water. <laughs> well, if he's calling about his water bill, uh, you know, in the context of calling the water company, the, the utility company, that's all that matters. So speech to intent is going to work there. Whereas transcription, it's a simplification, but it's the truth. Whereas transcription is going to say water, we have we have no intents based on water. We have no entities for wood. It, we're we're a, a water company. Um, so, yeah, interesting. And it's interesting how you're talking there around the interplay between voice chat or other channels plus live agents and how all that kind of works together and you know when we when we spoke uh last time and we i run, run a poll about this as well which was that i'll let i'll let you explain the logic so you explain it a lot better than me but the reason why 
all of these digital transformation efforts that have that have been obviously undergoing um, for a long period of time over the last sort of decade or so, every company has got some kind of digital transformation program. Um, and you said something last time which which really resonated, which was around how it's all really been in some way, shape or form, all about voice from the beginning. So I'll let you kind of explain your narrative on that and then we'll we'll move into digging into it a bit more. I guess at a high level, it's personal to me. It's personal experience. And now I'm seeing it play out in the industry and it's my own frustration. So, you know, I, I worked for a call center, took calls, and then I wound up in a software company that did sort of hosted telephony, ACD, IVR. And I was so happy and excited to get out of that world and not deal with the sort of albatross or annoyance of voice automation and these inbound phone calls and how hard and how tough it was to solve for those problems that were over there and get into digital transformation. And digital transformation in 2011, in my own career track, meant it meant AI and it meant chatbots and it meant mobile apps and it meant the website is the front door to every engagement. And you know, fundamentally, digital transformation was talking about things like improving user experiences and streamlining business processes and a new way of doing things. Maybe we'll do everything agile and we're going to optimize uh, both operations and infrastructure. We're going to simplify IT services. And all this is so exciting and wonderful. And it gets distilled in these beautiful and elegant web pages and maybe trying to break down information silos. And then at the end of the day, this whole digital transformation is going on and the call center is still handling 10, 20, 50 million contacts a year. Um, depending on the type of brand that you are. And, 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 and increasing. And increasing, <laughs> increasing, right? Because voila, this wonderful, beautiful, elegant website or this beautiful app, um, it, it didn't kill your call center, uh, despite that's what, that's what people had hoped. And all the people who were doing the really sexy, exciting things over in digital UI, UX, and, and, and there was a lot of wonderful gains made. So I don't want to diminish it or, or insult those practitioners because I was one of them. Um, that, that's what I did for a living. I was a digital sort of transformation consultant. But it always wound up coming back to voice in two ways. The more traditional, hey, the call center's still there, churning out contacts, contacts. And that makes it hard to see the ROI gains on these wonderful digital experience initiatives or these agile methodologies we're now using. And voice doesn't move as fast on those antiquated technologies as like a digital sprint would. Um, so that's one way, the call center is not dead. And the second way is ultimately all of these interfaces, whether it be natural language search, whether it be chatbots, whether it be live chat and messaging and folding all of these things in into how you come to a website and get the information you need or how you come to an app and get what you need. They all start to become more conversational and then conversational AI. So you have these two things going on where it's, hey, the call center is still a vibrant thing that everyone's still using as, you know, because digital hasn't prevented those contacts. And is it because digital has failed? I don't think so but it's because there's other use cases that still need to sort of cross the divide. And then secondly, all of these digital things that you've built now are supposed to be conversational suddenly. Well, again, not to beat a dead horse, but no one types to C-3PO. No one taps on his screen. At some point, voice has to be the interface. And, you know, it's funny. I even think about VUX world a couple of years ago, Kane, you know, three or four years ago when we first met and we started working together, it felt like everyone in your world was about Alexa and smart speakers and how do we set all these things up so people can, and then everyone realized, wait a minute, 
before we even get there, there's all these other voice interfaces that need to be fixed or optimized or where the people are trying to get things done, we need to make it more seamless. We need to make it more intuitive. We need to help with the voice conversations between brands and customers that are going on right now. And some of that for us is even when it gets to a human, you know, if you have a good voice AI technology, you should be in the mix there. You should be helping support the agent and the customer in that conversation. Um, and th that, not to make it about us, that's where, that's where it dips back into our patent because speech to intent allows us to work with all these disparate systems and allow us to sit on the line and make integration possible without that clunkiness of just speech to text alone to listen to call center agents. Uh, so ultimately, I feel like digital transformation, at least for me in my career, went from all of this exciting, all of these exciting digital initiatives and a new way to do business and a new way to engage brands and customers to, hey, we were ignoring maybe some other elements at our folly, or maybe not ignoring, but maybe just hoping. Um, and, and I have a mentor always says to me, hope is not a strategy. So we, we, we went into it hoping that all this digital goodness in the traditional sense, you know, I, I'm not a big semantics guy, like let's define digital and let's define it. Eh. My understanding is right. All these digital things and the common understanding of what that means did not stop those voice contacts from happening. And then simultaneously digital turned into conversational interfaces where you're typing to them. Hmm. And uh, I, I think we can't ignore that voice needs to be in the mix anymore. Hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got a very similar background in the digital transformation space, and I can say that some of the projects that I worked on were specifically geared towards reducing contact center contacts. Yeah. So the, the the sole aim wasn't for anything else, wasn't for necessarily reducing cost, I suppose, is linked, you could say, but it wasn't for improving customer experience necessarily, although there's probably a, that's a byproduct perhaps. Um, but the sole point was help the contact center manage this stuff because it's just too much, basically. The customer service is rubbish, not because the agents don't know what they're doing, because they're really passionate about it, but it's rubbish yeah. because people are waiting on hold for half an hour because there's just too many calls for the, them to handle, essentially. 100%. And it shocks me. Like, for example, I, I, I take demos for products that I might be looking to buy, right, for, for my company. And I took a demo a week or two ago for like a, um, a new way to help with help desk tickets. Um, so not like, like a Zendesk, but almost a wrapper on that for better like dashboarding and for administrative vision into it, right? So when the guys give me the demo, he says to me what everyone has said in digital transformation since 2012. He said, and if you buy this from me, and he didn't, I guess he didn't do know what type of company I was. Like we weren't, we don't have a big call center. We help big call centers. And he was like, you know, you'll reduce your contact volume by 40%. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, everyone's still saying that about everything now? That's <laughs> software. So I'm going to reduce my contact volume by having a better dashboard. How am I going to do and then, and then it became like personal for me. Like, wait a minute, everyone stops saying that. <laughs> How, what it, whereas we sit down, we feel like the way to sit down with a brand is say, here are the top 10 intents or top 50 intents going across your enterprise, across all channels that customers are trying to engage you with. Um, and this is how many of them are handled by humans right now. This is how many are handled by automation right now. And here are ones where maybe there's a hybrid, right? And let's talk about what's the best experience for the customer and you'll often find that you'll save money also. Um, but this idea that everything you buy is going to reduce, 40% is the magic number. <laughs> Whenever I hear someone say, I'm gonna reduce 40% of the contacts under volume, I say, oh, okay. <laughs>
Was that, was that, I, know, I know what training you went to. Yeah, was that like a white paper released in year two thousand or something like that? And yeah, it's like yeah. it's a it's a bit like it's a bit like when um in twenty eighteen there was a stat. Someone did some research, can't remember who it was, um, but there was a stat that said that by twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, fifty percent of all searches will be done by voice. And that was just the thing that everybody ran with in every presentation. Everyone you speak to was like, you know what, your fifth percent surgery is going to be done by voice, you know? And so it probably comes back to something like that, doesn't it? I got a cut. It totally does. I got a couple of anecdotes for that that I I prepared for today. So first thing I did was I remember in 2013, a lot of people saying it was the year of digital transformation. I just remember that from when I was in the space. 2013 was. So I tried to find all these old research and I won't say which analyst house it was that was betting the biggest on 2013 being the year of digital transformation. (laughs) But it's a big one. And I and all of their white papers and prediction things, you can Google them, but you can't click on the links. All the links are dead. Interesting. So like, oh, I wonder why. Wow. But, the, wow. but the one prediction I found from another pretty big analyst firm was that by 2020, 65% of your customer care interactions were, 65% of your customer support interactions will occur on Twitter. And I won't <laughs> say who it was, but I thought that was amazing. I was like, wow. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, so, so wow. if, you know, gosh, if I had to guess, I don't even know what, what, you know, the largest bank in the world's call center volume inbound might be like, I don't know, 250 million a year out of probably the light there. Uh, my friend Michael check me on this one. Uh, 65% of those interactions are going to happen on Twitter. Um, there's a, and, it, you know, it does us no good to sort of, it's fun, but it does no good to put, but the reality is how long are we going to transform, hmm. right? Till we actually start seeing meaningful results. And, and are we going to be self-critical with each other and really tackle, hold each other accountable for tackling the meaningful use cases with AI? Um, or are we just going to actually sit there? I mean, even, even for us, for voice technology, this idea that digital chatbots now can just ingest all these transcriptions and work in voice, um, you know, it, it's my own industry, but I, I still don't think people are singing the praises of the performance of digital chatbots. It, from a customer's perspective yet right now, let alone to now let's just tran- jam transcriptions at them and boom, they work in voice. Um, it's, it's just not, it, it's not the reality of the situation. Um, so yeah, a lot of those predictions looking back are very funny, Kane. I, mean, yeah, no. I read one yesterday that said, we're no longer going to have, um, going to have devices in the, you know, in the next 10 years. I thought that was interesting. I don't have devices. And that's, okay, so, so how are we going to engage? Like, I'm not, I'm no longer going to have this brick in my pocket that, you know, I have a hunchback because I have to constantly stare at it. Well, are we just talking to a pair of glasses? Are we just talking in the ether in our living room? Hey, hey, Comcast, why is the pool so high? And the, the speaker said, maybe, right? But I still feel like I can't, the one thing I know I can't eliminate yet is voice. Yeah. Until we start communicating telepathically, I can't eliminate that voice has to be part of the equation. Hmm. Definitely. There's, there's another thing. I've got a few slides on this from, from presentations from in the past, which is the year of mobile. Exactly the same thing. 2009 is the year of mobile. Articles mm-hmm. in all kinds of publications. 2010. And I just go slide after slide after slide. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And, and there's one from 2015 that says, now it's the year of mobile because we'd reached like 50% penetration or something like that. But it just goes on and on and on. It's like the year is the year of mobile is whenever you were building mobile apps or mobile websites. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um 
Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of follow up questions around that around the whole role sure. of digital transformation. But we've got a question from Georgios coming on uh, Georgios coming on uh, YouTube. Uh, you alluded to it earlier on around the the technology with Speakeasy, not just in helping uh, customers on the front end having the call, but also agents on the back end. So Georgios says, uh, curious how voice AI can help a human agent on a live call with a customer. I wonder if you can elaborate. He's he's, a, he's asking for some examples of use cases. I wonder Absolutely. if you can elaborate on on how that works. You know, we don't want to we don't want you to throw your call center agents in the, in the the bin. You know, uh, I was a call center agent once upon a time for a hearing aid company, and I had to talk with frustrated elderly people who were trying to manage a new piece of technology. And I think what I was solid at as a as a young person was empathy. And I think what I was solid at was trying to explain complex things to someone who maybe didn't quite understand it. Um, but what I knew I didn't have was a ton of knowledge on the inner workings of the hearing aid itself. I think I knew a base level, but not a lot. And I knew I had to be on the floor quickly because they were overwhelmed with inbound calls. Um, and so with that as sort of my own personal use case, voice AI can help human agents get on the floor faster because what humans are great at is empathy and soft skills and listening between the lines and understanding what a customer really wants and needs from a sort of human emotion perspective. But from a skill set perspective or from an article or a knowledge base perspective, Georgios, yes, retrieving an article, a place to look, or even suggesting an answer saying, I heard that this customer asked for a hotel with a piano bar in Memphis. And before you've even looked it up, I've taken those parameters. And from the, for the sake of average handle time, here's the only property that has a piano bar in Memphis. Um, do you want to ask them to book that one? And then you can figure it out from there. Hey, you can ask them additional preferences. We can do suggested next best actions. We can even do some kind of QA, QM. We can prompt the agent to say things like, hey, you call into American Airlines and you're an admiral elite status. Um, remember to tell them that, right? You, we appreciate you flying, you know, however many million miles a year you fly. Um, recognize that and maybe offer them a promotion. So it's everything from providing answers, suggested answers, next best actions, cross-sell, upsell, supplementary knowledge base articles based on what the voice AI is hearing the customer present and as well, we can flip that on the agent side. So we can do things like measure agent satisfaction, QA, QM, um, quality assurance and quality monitoring to sort of make sure that the agents are being properly supported. Uh, but ultimately, we like our engine to be doing both. So that way, as the call center agent interacts with the customer, anything that goes on in that engagement influences the neural net for the learning and performance for anything that's um, customer facing, anything that's autonomous or self-service. There's a brand that, that we're consulting with right now. And I, I think I love even the way they've done their titles in their organization. They have a division where the person who's in charge of this division, his title is something like head of employee and customer tools. And, and I love that in concept when I first came across it, because it was the first org I saw that because that's what we're built for. The same thing that is helping the agents do their job is helping customers self-serve. It should be agnostic of who you're helping. It's how do we reduce friction for everyone in the mix, for your call center agents, for your customers. You know, your customers want to do a few things. They want to sign up you know, and enroll in something. They want to use it. 
Um, they want to pay for it if, if it if it requires payment. Um, they want to report a problem and fix it. Uh, they want to maybe return something or know when it arrives, and they want to cancel or end. And that's pretty much it. You know, th those five things are pretty much what they want to do. And that crosses every channel, and that crosses human versus automation. And at every moment, you should be trying to have all of these things know what the other thing is doing, the other technology stack or solution, the other call center agent, so that it gets better every time. So every time the customer wants to pay for something or every time the customer just wants to use it and enjoy it, um, whatever you can do to reduce friction, you can do. Um, so if that's digital transformation or that's voice AI, that, that's ultimately what we're trying to do, at least in our world. Um, but yeah, we're, we, we feel like it's a necessity and we love when we get to that point. Our, our deployments frequently start in voice because IVR has so much low hanging fruit and there's just so much room for improvement. And it's the front door for still the bulk of contacts. Um, then usually we wind up being voice front door and then we wind up being digital front door. So let's front sort of the, the first place where you want to contact someone or need help on a digital web page or in the mobile app or in messaging. And then once we're the front doors, you know, then we're excited to get to the agent side. Okay, now we've escalated because not all escalations are made the same. You know, there are design escalations for reasons. There are intentional business reasons why you want a human on the line. Um, gosh, in banking, especially, you know, when it comes to fraud and compliancy, um, but it might just be because of a certain status of the customer. We want to be there helping. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You made it sound so simple there, Frank. There's only five things people want to do. I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know what all the fuss is about. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, I just try to remind myself that. Like it's, <laughs> that that's all they want to do with your product, with your brand, with your services. And I, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I, that's why I love things like customer effort score and frictionless and, you know, there was a paper in the Harvard Business Review a few years ago that everyone went crazy about. Uh, I think Matt Dixon wrote it, where it was kind of like, don't delight your customers anymore. Um, I actually think easy is delight. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and in the digital transformation initiatives had a whole lot of things on it about the relationship you have with your customers and everyone wants a relationship with their brand. I mean, most people don't want a relationship with their bank. Um in some level, you know, they kind of want to get things done and they want mm -hmm. to do those five things um, depending on the, the service and they want to feel secure, right? With banking, you want to feel safe and, and you want to feel protected and smart about what you, where, who you've chosen to bank with and you want things easy. Um, but easy never is never not one of the ones. Um, mm. You know. Mm. Interesting. It's interesting as well what you were talking about how, I like the concept of agent assist being such that the tools that the agent is using are the same tools as the customer is using. And so there's a parity because that is essentially what a lot of the digital transformation efforts over, I mean, especially you talk about low hanging fruit, a lot of the low hanging fruit in, in early digital transformation efforts is taking forms from line of business systems that agents complete on the back end and just making those forms available to users on the front end. <laughs> so it's a very, yeah. it sounds to me like it's a similar sort of concept, but only probably in reverse. Maybe most start out with trying to optimize the front end and then over time bring it into the back end and almost give the agent the same tool as the customer rather than giving the customer the same tools as the agent. There's, you bring, that's a, a very astute point. I mean, there's, 
there's always been so many interesting um, conflicts of interest in this world where you and I both sort of consult and work and, and are practitioners. And one is, you know, your most high value asset, you know, your customer um, talks to people who aren't the best paid, you know, no offense to call center agents, but are maybe the most valuable, if not the most valuable, because they are representing your brand on every interaction and they take great pride in it and they know what they're doing for the, for the most part, overwhelmingly so. Um, and if they don't, they should know where to go to get help. Um, and digital transformation ignored call center agents. I mean, that I know for sure. You can debate whether or not it ignored voice. Um, there wasn't a lot going on. It was, let's not worry about them and we won't need as many. And it, it's, you know, personally, I find that almost insulting to call center agents, number one. Uh, but number two, it's insulting to your customers um, that, you know, we'll just, it, it's like, you know, I'm sure Gartner will have a new one this week. I, I, how many are going to, and I love Gartner, but, you know, they'll, they always sort of forecast how many jobs are going to be automated away. Automation is coming. Hmm. You know, I don't think it's, it's Elon Musk level, what, what he thinks is going to happen yet. Um, but uh, we need to help these agents get their jobs done and, and deliver contacts at the right time so that there isn't three hours on hold or a 65% abandon rate, you know? Well, clearly mm -hmm. you can't eliminate your agents. If an abandon rate is you call in, you get put in that sort of IVR queue and then you hang up. Um, if your abandon rate is insanely high, it's not because you need less agents. Um, there's something else going on. Mm. It's interesting that I've, my auntie is staying um, up here at the moment. I haven't seen it for a while because of COVID. Shout out to my auntie Lynn. I've been telling her to check out VUX World on YouTube. So 45 minutes, I'll clock that. I'll tell her to go and check it out. Um, but the conversation always happens when you talk about the kind of work that you do with anyone really who is not kind of in this industry. And the conversation always comes about around automation, job losses. And this is a conversation that I was literally having last night. Mm -hmm. um, the future of this technology, if it continues in automating all of these different phone calls, and then there's, there's job losses and there's job losses with, as you mentioned, lo lower skilled, lesser paid people, therefore probably those that are more likely to be victims of poverty and things like that. And my view has always been that like, certainly in the near future, contact centers have always just been overwhelmed. And also customers just want to get stuff done. You mentioned it earlier on, you know, people don't necessarily want a relationship all the time with something. Most of the time people phone because they've probably tried to do something somewhere else and it hasn't worked. So they just want to get something done. And so I don't see, as, as you mentioned, any risk in the short term of any of this kind of stuff. But who knows where this technology is going to go? Who knows how sophisticated it's going to get? Who knows what the next, you know, let's not say 10, but what the next 50 years have in store. And so I'm assuming... Maybe not. I don't know if you've experienced this conversation in terms of in your professional life. You probably have certainly in your personal life, but in your professional life, I'm assuming most clients will come to you because they want to automate certain things. But I'm just wondering how you address or what your thoughts are on that concept of the future of AI in general means job losses for lower skilled, lower paid people. Do you subscribe to that or do you think that things will be moving in such a way that jobs emerge, things change and yeah, there isn't going I, to be that? I don't know if there's ever been a time in industrialization's history, you know, or technology's history where, you know, and I'm, I'm probably out of my depth a little bit here, Kane, but there's never been a time when it hasn't adapted and new jobs haven't sprung up as a result. I know for us personally, we hire, um, people to be AI annotators to help review transcripts 
with, um, with our neural nets to sort of tune transcription models. So um, if, if water was hard to recognize and that transcription need a little bit of human tuning, we have people just reviewing those notes and it's almost like an editing job or a proofreading job. Um, and those jobs are similar sort of in skill set potentially to what some call center agents do. Um, so I see it in my own company that there will be additional jobs as a result of this. Um, but we're sort of all about optimizing what you have right now. I mean, it's one thing to think about um, what will the call center look like in 2050 or 2030 or, you know, and I know I can make some bets, but I know I'm probably going to be as wrong as that analyst was in 2014 uh, <laughs> on Twitter. What, what I do know is this, you know, and I often say this, I mentioned with basketball, which I, I often say be here now. And it's very hard when people call themselves things like futurists. And <laughs> I always like to see that on LinkedIn. I'm a futurist. Um, but, you know, I, I'm at a, I'm at a voice AI company, a contact center AI company that just got a patent that, you know, Amazon and Google doesn't have. Really cool. Moshe is amazing. I'm really proud of that. We're bringing the future right now. But what we're solving is problems that aren't that old. I mean, I'm sorry, that aren't that new, that are mm. older problems and are problems right now. So right now, contact centers are drowning. They're drowning in inbound volume. I mean, literally drowning. They have way too many calls that they can handle. And they've been digitally transforming for eight years. So how do we fix that? And, and that's what we're focused on fixing right now. And that's why we're not ignoring the agents or saying replacing them. They can't all be tossed out the window. They need to be optimized. They need to be helped in sincere ways. Um, and you need to have a holistic strategy across all channels. It's funny, you know, I, I'll, give, I'll give props to Nancy at, at Frost and Sullivan. I feel like she was one of the first people to really hone in and hammer into Omnichannel. Um, back in, you know, around the same time as digital transformation, maybe. Um, and she got it right. You know, that's, Omnichannel became less um, exciting, you know, and now this year it's it's no code, low code, which would dovetail into the Jakarta conversation. So it's, you know, there's always, there's always a new thing that people glom onto and then say, that's the thing. Um, but Omnichannel really was the thing. And uh, maybe people were tired of talking about that, but the ability to come as you are and conversationally interact with any kind of digital voice or automation tool to get those five things you needed done, um, it has to be omni-channel. And what we found is that we might have the bleeding edge and one of the coolest voice AI techs ever invented. Um, but what it's opened up is this omni-channel orchestration that people were trying to do methodology-wise in different ways. Um, and now we're solving problems that are you know, seven years old needed to be solved then. Mm. Um, that's okay. I'm happy to solve those problems. Um, Interesting. Damia, we will come to your question. It's one a little bit about the future. So we'll maybe just come on to that uh, in, in, in a little short while. But um, it's interesting there you, you were mentioning, um, you know, when we talk about job losses and stuff like that, another thing I was thinking of is <clears throat> maybe perhaps some of the reasons why some of these digital transformation projects and programs and initiatives maybe haven't quite gone to plan, haven't had much of an impact on the call center, <clears throat> and therefore where maybe the future of the call center still is going to be largely human-led. Um, is that because the call center tends to handle the the extreme long tail? You know, if everyone's serving themselves online and ordering stuff and booking stuff and getting stuff done online, 
surely it's only the very difficult stuff that hits the call center and therefore the scope for automation automating that is less so than on the website is, is would you say that in your experience that is the case or or not that's what we start with to try to flush out so it, it, you you teed me up perfectly on that one i mean that's why we, we often start with what we call um, at least at our company uh, a listening proof of value or a listening phase where we get our ai at your front doors both digital and voice and we just listen or watch but especially in the voice we listen and we try to hear what's going on, even if that's agent side, as well as sort of utterance. And we take off the barriers. So there's no more DTMF or, or pressing or say one for this or press one for that. There's no more. Um, I remember when natural language IVR first came out and it said things like, uh, you can talk like yourself or talk like a human. I don't know how else you would talk. And you can say things, you can say things to me like, um, pay my bill. Well, we already could have done that with press one to pay my bill. Mm. Um, so really haven't made the gain. But in, if your, we look, in your own words is a good one. In your own words. No well, words. Do you mean you think I've got my own language? <laughs> but, but how about if we just build some trust and say, hey, you called us. We know why you called us. You want to talk to somebody. And before we get you to talk to somebody, tell us what you want. How can we help you? Just no barriers. Let, let, let's, let's open up the floodgates and see what you're really saying. Or let's listen to those agent calls and watch and monitor that at the same time. And so then what we get to is to your question is how much of it is long tail, it'll never be automated. And how much of it is, oh, wow, we should have been automating this already. And there's a little bit of both, but then there's also that hybrid. There's that, this is something that we want a human involved with, but it could have been less painful. It could have had reduced friction if we collected some information before we got it to the human to tee up both the agent and the customer and prime them, or it could have also been sort of, hey, we tee them up and then we stay there with the agent because we know this is gonna be a hard one to handle and we can provide some additional suggestions based on our experience. That's what we're trying to do. So it becomes sort of this blended look at, hey, there's some things you wanna automate there. And believe me, there's plenty that isn't being automated that could be. But there's also a lot where, yep, we're just going to send it along. But how can we still reduce friction there? How can we still make it better for your brand, for your customer, for your agents? And that's what that's what we're trying to do. Mm, interesting. Damia, I'll come to your question. So Damia is asking, uh, what's next? Uh, has there been any efforts where voice AI is invoked, for example, in an app to add more context to search? Uh, there, there is some tools specifically, you know, Speechly and others that, that are focusing on only on search in apps but in terms of your sort of um approach to this frank you've mentioned uh you know you mentioned chat a couple of times you've mentioned omni channel a couple of times obviously apps part of the omni channel kind of mix i don't know what your thoughts are whether you've either worked with voice and apps or your thoughts mm -hmm. on where the future of voice enabled apps and, and voice search and all that kind of stuff is headed yeah we have more experience with um digital apps, right? And digital AI or, or, you know, type to it AI, but we want to do more voice AI. I think voice AI right now where it is, as far as the marketplace, like you mentioned, there's some niche vendors that are trying to voice enable apps, but ultimately how you go about doing that is always going to be based upon to, can you get out of the ecosystem or the front door of the Samsung device, the Apple device, sort of, you know, when you press that microphone button to send someone, um, a speech to text text where you dictate to your phone, you know, you have to, you have to sort of voice enable that app in a meaningful way 
that you're not governed by the device itself or governed by the parent company or parent software of the device. Mm -hmm. So I think the future is, um, you know, customizable language front ends that can be deployed in apps. I know some companies are doing that. It's not a focus for us right now. However, we can do it. So we, if, if we can just not use the phone's speech rec and just voice, be voice embedded within a, a brand's apps, um, we can bring all that voice AI goodness that we do in the IVR or that we could do in Amazon if, if we're not using Alexa skill and using actually our ASR or that we could do um, in agent assist, we could bring it to the mobile app. But right now, at least for us personally, we're not doing a lot, any of that yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So talk, talking about the future then, there was a couple of things that has been, uh, you know, press releases and whatnot over the last couple of weeks, um, some of which seem to make sense, some of which have caught a few people a little bit off guard. I suspect the industry kind of were expecting something to happen. So Zoom have acquired Five Nine first of all, and that was something that there was rumours of. Say again? I said, that's the massive one, right? That's yeah, yeah. Well, everyone was talking about Zoom potentially acquiring a contact center, entering into that kind of enterprise sort of space. <laughs> the opportunities for everything we've been talking about, voice AI automation, all that kind of stuff, it, it, it's huge in there. What are your thoughts on, on that kind of acquisition and what do you think the future holds? What, what will Zoom do with 5.9, in your opinion? Yeah, and, and it's funny. As much as Zoom was the acquiring company, it's also what will 5.9 do with Zoom in a way? Or mm. do customers mm. you know for me i've known five nine for a while been in the space for a while and use zoom so i know in zoom my gosh the explosion is ridiculous i mean zoom is a verb right it, it's like googling something my daughter say daddy do you want to zoom or i gotta zoom this class so once you're a verb <laughs> once you're that it's common, game over <laughs> it's, it's pretty much game over right so so Zoom is a verb, and that's why five nine. I mean, if you look at their their cap table and their market cap and where they were at, they kind of sold their discount even at fourteen billion from what they could have done on their own. But they just essentially opened up a rolodex of uh, a brand that's a verb. So now they have access to all of that. So I think Zoom had to make a bet that the contact center market was something to go attack. Um, I'm sure they wanted to do cloud, of course, right? So, you know, when it comes to true, you know, that tier of experience, breadth, and power in CCAS, you know, or cloud contact center, um, there's only a few players they could have bought, you know, and and I'm not, you know, I I think, so the three I would have guessed, if you said Zoom's going to buy one, this is probably saying too much. I would have guessed uh, in contact, who Nice bought not that long ago, it seems. I would have guessed TalkDesk, um, and I would guess five nine. Those are the three I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, five nine makes the most sense to me, just knowing the industry without getting under the hood too much. Um, you know, nice in contact. I think are trying to make different bets potentially, um, and are structured a little differently. And talk desk, I think, is trying to be their own decacorn. Still, I, I think that that they're trying to go really, really, really big, and they're not ready to to step under Zoom's umbrella. They they might rather do kind of what, you know, there's a smaller one called LifeSize that um, bought a company called Saranova. LifeSize is like a smaller Zoom. Saranova is like a smaller, um, a smaller 5.9. And that had already happened, you know, the year prior, but it didn't get the noise that this got, obviously, for obvious reasons. So we'll see more of this, but I think it's a, it's a great move for both. I think it's really cool. I, I think what both need is a, is a better AI play. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only, um, you know, I, I won't talk about the AI thing that 5.9's bought. 
uh, the year prior, which, um, yeah, I know a little bit about. But yeah, inference, wasn't it? They acquired inference, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I don't know too much about inference. I was familiar with it, obviously. I hadn't seen it, hadn't experienced it. Um, but obviously, all the contact center providers have been going on that rampage of acquiring some conversational AI uh, okay. capabilities. Like, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not too off here with that particular acquisition mine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. We'll see see how it goes. And the other thing that I think it might have even been this week. I can't remember if it was this week or last week. Days ago. Yeah. Was it a couple of days ago? Unifor yeah. and Jakarta. Yeah. Unifor acquiring Jakarta. So I know you you are friendly with uh, Mike Hairston. I think you used to work with him. You worked yes. at Jakarta. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I know I know both these companies, one, very well. Uh, so I don't want to say too much. What I will say is I found it interesting the way Unifor marketed the acquisition mm. uh, around sort of low code, no code. Very and, much RPA play as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, whereas I feel like Jakarta has a wonderful legacy standing business and credibility in agent desktop solutions for call center agents mm-hmm. um, some with some R, some RPA in there, um, but not RPA like a UI path or anything like that. They have a nice portfolio of a few clients that you'd want. And I think Unifor will learn a lot from deploying within Jakarta's clients. Um, but yeah, so it makes sense. It definitely makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me, um, knowing mm-hmm. companies. Uh, but, you know, Unifor, they, they have so much funding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're drowning in funding. And their, their narrative to the world, I like. I, I think they're, they're spot on with a few things. So it'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, this means they're going to be able to maybe with this acquisition, talk a different kind of enterprise game because Jakarta was a very small company but usually kind of like us usually try to sell the big brands as a small company, as opposed to having, you know, you know, what Unifor or what five, nine tradition does, which is lots of sort of mid market customers. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. It was surprising to me, but not surprising after it happened, like surprising in that I know that company and I had no wind of it, <laughs> which is <laughs> drops, drops. so it was surprising in that way, but it was kind of like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes, it makes a lot of sense for both. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Unifor does moving forward with it, um, because I, I I don't think I think the main thing that I, I if I was in Unifor seat that I would like that I got is maybe a, a better understanding of some North American enterprise buyers, which I don't yeah. think that they have a lot of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it sounds it does sound from you know the press release and stuff like that that. Unifor are more interested in this acquisition on on that back end side of things, the mm-hmm. agent assist, the the RPA kind of side mm-hmm. of things, and seemingly because Unifor does have conversational AI kind of capabilities. I'm not I'm not 100 sure whether it's rooted in voice or whether it's rooted in chat with a voice piece added onto it as some of them do. But um, like that, yeah. yeah. I, it, it, most people, it's really hard to do voice agent assist. So there's a lot of people in the. Um, Agent Assist Marketplace, who just do Agent Assist, you know, Balto, Cresta, there's there's mm. a new one every other week. And digital is very easy. It's like monitoring a chat, right? So it's just, it's typing, right? It, it's very easy to do digital. It's really hard to do voice, not just from a technology standpoint, and understanding standpoint, but especially from an integration standpoint. Um, you know, if, if you're not an all-in-one voice kit, um, there's a lot under the hood to listen to an agent and a customer have a conversation, let alone understand it. 
Um, and th that, that's why that's one of the places we made our bets because we think we've solved some of those hard, heavy lift elements. Mm -hmm. um, but usually if, if we see a, an, a, an agent assist company or an agent assist product and uh, it's mainly digital and they say, oh yeah, but we do voice too. It, it's usually because that, that voice part's really hard. So not to say that I don't believe them. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, um, you know, for, for buyers, you probably want to get a real use case and know about a deployment. Mm. yeah yeah you mentioned bolt we're going to have them on the podcast uh in the next couple of weeks actually which is going to be interesting delving into Very cool. in. yeah yeah it looks quite cool yeah cool uh wicked well that is absolutely fantastic frank as ever this has been an absolute pleasure full of bags of knowledge bags of enthusiasm and bags of insights so i really really appreciate it and don't forget after this send me your address because i will mail you a vux world cap uh, to say thank you very much for being the, the only guest so far in the three and a half years we've been doing it to get your hat trick. So thank, thank you. I'm so honored. I'm, I'm grateful to ever have crossed paths with you. I, I consider us friends now. The other thing is, I mean, you're really doing the real work out there trying to connect these dots across vendors, practitioners, everything. So keep doing what you're doing. It matters. Um, and thanks. I'm honored that you let me come on again in three times. Someone's got to try and catch me. Let's go. <laughs> There's only one other person, I think. Bob Stolzberg has been on twice. So maybe he's maybe get on, get on the blower this week and see what's going on. But uh, I don't think anyone else has been on twice before. So I think you're out in front. You, you haven't got many behind you. You're like, you're like Gary Lineker, well out in front. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Dave. Nice. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Frank. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for the questions. Uh, as always, I can't remember who's next week. I, I never have it queued up. But we do have Bolt coming on. Uh, Genesis we've got coming on actually pretty soon, which is going to be really interesting. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we will keep doing what we do. And we'll see you on the next one. And until cool. next time. Take care. Bye-bye.